The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, where week in and week out, we work our fingers to the bone to get you the information and inspiration you need to start or grow your own real estate investing business. Today's question and answer day, for folks who probably pay more attention than most folks do, you might be a little confused because for the last couple of years, question and answer day has been on the first Wednesday of each month rather than the last Wednesday of each month. But because next Wednesday is fun to drive, we are uh, not going to miss a month of Q&A because this seems to be a show where... A lot of people can get specific questions answered that might not fall into the topics that we cover during the rest of the month. Of course, I think we could potentially just skip Fun Drive next week if everybody um, goes and looks at wmkvfm.org and scrolls down to the very bottom of the page and looks at what is going to be offered on Fun Drive next week which is a special package to attend virtually or in person the 2023 OREA National Real Estate Summit here in Cincinnati. What is special about it? Well, there's a little added bonus that more than doubles the value. And it's only for WMKV listeners. But OREA only donated X number of tickets. That number is actually escaping my mind right now but last time i heard from the station half of those had been taken by you guys who just went to wmkvfm.org and clicked the button and went ahead and pledged so maybe next week there is no fun drive show or maybe next week we're it's gonna be a short one because you put the fun in fun drive <laughs> i do i put the totally put the fun in fun drive uh but seriously guys that's a great opportunity uh, it's, you know, kind of a one nonprofit to another kind of deal that just isn't really available other places. And, uh, you know, it's OREA supporting WMKV and Real Life Real Estate. And, you know, they still can't give away all their tickets. That's just not how it works. So, again, WMKVFM.org. Scroll to the bottom of the page. Uh, question and answer week means that the topic is whatever you want it to be uh, you can call in your question which is the thing that is almost certainly going to make sure that you get it answered at 877-772-9658 you can also send it to askvina at gmail.com but i will tell you that uh, my kind of um my uh 
inbox is, is kind of overflowing with those questions right now, so I'm going to get to as many of them as I can. But calling in means probably your question's going to get answered. 877-772-9658, or if you must, askvina at gmail.com. So let's get to those questions. Just going to start at the top here with Mary Louise, who says, I do have a question for the radio show. What is the best way to find private investors? Thank you. Well, um, Mary Louise, if what you were looking for is like, here is the way um, that there's not there's not quite a the way uh, because there's not like I mean I wish I could tell you just go to www.privateinvestorslookingtogiveyoumoney.com like there is no such place where they like all all are and are all looking for opportunities um, also I will say that private investors has come to mean way more than it used to mean it used to mean like uh, basically like a short-term lender like i'm I'm gonna pay them a high rate of interest but it's only gonna be for six months and then i'm gonna sell or refinance the property and then i'm gonna get out of it i'm gonna get out of that loan one way or another and because the uh, refinance part has become so expensive <laughs> in about the last year you know that whole that whole burr thing of i'm gonna i'm gonna buy it fix it rent it refinance it at 3.25% and then live happily ever after with my cash flow uh, doesn't actually doesn't necessarily work at 8.5%, which is the kind of rates that we're facing right now as real estate investors. So private investor has gone from when I hear people say, when I used to hear people say that they almost strictly meant hard money, private lenders. And now what they mean just as much is long-term private lenders who are willing to, you know, invest their IRAs or whatever at say seven and a half or eight percent, which might make a deal work, or they're looking for people who are willing to put cash into it and leave it there for the for a part of the cash flow of the property. So more more like a partner or someone who's uh, getting an option on the property, something like that. So you're talking about a, a, a big varied group of people. Uh, the guy who's interested in loaning it you know, 12% and four points, but only for six months or a year is not the same guy who's like, no, I don't want to get my money back in six months because that's just going to put me in the position of trying to find another place to put my money. I'd rather put it there at seven and a half percent for 20 years and please don't pay me back. Because if you pay me back, I got to go find another deal. And that's a different person than I've got a 1031 exchange I need to complete and I've got $50,000 in cash and I'm, I'm, I'm actually about to be in that position and what I'm going to be looking for in terms of investing in other people's par- properties is to be a partner. I can't I can't do private loans with my 1031 exchange money. Well, I can if I want to pay the taxes. So big, wide group of people. So how do you find them? The answer to the private hard money lenders, the partners, the people who are going to give you money in the form of an option fee, looking to buy the property from you years up the road, those are all best found in your local RIA group by networking if your local RIA group happens to uh, be happens to have a lot of uh, more experienced creative finance interested types of people uh, at Cincinnati RIA that works great like if you come in on, if you come to the one of the uh, Friday morning 
haves and wants meetings and you ask for a loan, people will offer you money to be a partner instead because that, that that's just, I mean, it's a very large group and it's a group that has nationwide members and a lot of them are fairly cash heavy and a lot of them are fairly sophisticated. If you're, if you belong to like a really small group or it's very bottom heavy with beginners, you may not have that experience. Although you can, you can find private hard money lenders almost anywhere. The kind of money that uh, Chad Harris discusses, which is, uh, I'm getting it actually at six or six and a half percent. It's a 20 year loan. It might have a five or seven year balloon or it might not. That is best found by networking with people who do not see them buying real estate themselves as an alternative for their money, right? That's a little hard to find within a RIA group because all the people in the RIA group are like, I'm not going to loan it out 6.5% when I could go buy a house with it and get 9%, right? But there's a humongous number of people on the world, way more of, quote, them than there are of, quote, us, for whom a six or six and a half percent return that is, that is, um, you know, secured by something, secured by a piece of real estate and also a consistent return. It doesn't jump up and down like the stock market might. That is just, it's, it's so good that they have a hard time believing it when you first say it. And Mary Louise, I hope you're not an introvert because the best way to find those people is go out and meet them in places that aren't real estate associations. Go out and meet them at, I don't know, where, where do you hang out? Uh, clubs, uh, your church, um, uh, meetup groups that are specific to a particular interest or something. Uh, your uh, country club, if you belong to a country club, <laughs> would be a good place to do that. Uh, just, just any place where people are there partly to network and you... You know, and when you network, people ask you what you do and you say, well, what I do is I buy, I provide housing by, because you, you would normally be looking for this for rental, right? I provide housing by finding usually rundown rental properties and then making them really nice and then renting them out to good people who need a place to live and can pay for it. And I, you know, mostly do that by using investor money that people people give me from their IRAs or from their investment accounts or whatever and then you just kind of shut up because either they're going to say well, that sounds really interesting tell me more or they're going to be like oh okay well I'm an accountant you know <laughs> who knows um, and obviously you're not going to these things to give sales pitches so if somebody expresses some interest you know you can say well you know, we want to have, have coffee and talk about it and then you can explain more about how all of that works. But uh, because we also have a national audience here on Real Life Real Estate Investing, let me say, uh, get familiar with the rules about private money in your state before you decide that you're going to do anything about this. Because there's some states that require you to fill out a form before you're allowed to raise any private money. Um, all states and the federal SEC say that you can't make offers to people. You can't who you who you don't have a pre-existing relationship with. You can't just like put it on your Facebook page that I have a deal and I'll pay percent interest. Like that is a huge violation of securities law. So just you know, you should take a little time and educate yourself about that stuff and go forth and find private investors. 
Thank you for your question, Mary Louise. We're going to take a quick break. It is Q&A day, which means that you can call in with uh, any question that you might have. Uh, 877-772-9658, or if you must, send it to askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox, and it's question and answer week here on Real Life Real Estate. 877-772-9658 is the number to call with whatever question you have. And particularly if you're sitting there saying, that's a stupid question, or I don't even know how to ask that question, you should pick up the phone and call. You know why? Because if you have it, lots of people have it, and if you don't know how to put it, I will interview you until I know how to put it. I'm pretty good at that. I'm pretty good at asking questions to figure out what what somebody is trying to get to. 877-772-9658. Question here from Alana that is less along the lines of a a, uh, specific strategy question, more along the lines of a life question that um, would be easier to answer in more detail if Alana had called. But um, I think it's, I just think this is a, this is a common place that people find themselves for various reasons. So I'm going to uh, read it out and give Alana my best advice. She says, hi, Vina, I'm completely stuck. This may not be a question you were expecting, but each time I've gone to the monthly meetings, you're talking to others and I don't want to interrupt. So I desperately want to quit a waste of life, J-O-B, she spelled it that way, not with the periods in between, not not, not me. I don't, I think it's perfectly fine to have a job. Okay, let me explain. When people say capital J, capital O, capital B, they're, what they're saying is just over broke. That's like a like a long, 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 long-term meme here in the real estate business. And focus on real estate investing, but I recently lost my husband who took care of me financially. I'm sorry to hear that, Alana. Um, I have a mortgage to pay and a future I'm very uncertain about. I just feel like if I wait to get my ducks in a row, I may never begin. I'm already 55. I need to sell my house and find a new one, but may need the proceeds from this house to purchase another or not, but if I walk away from this job and I need to qualify for a mortgage, being unemployed isn't going to work. So quit my job now, live on what little savings I have, and hope and pray that I can live my life happily pursuing investment properties to replace my current income in short order. What are your thoughts? Well, again, Alana, my first thought is this this story takes different, like the details of the story are different from person to person. But it's a pretty common one. Like I'm just, I'm, I just feel stuck because there's this thing I want to do. And then there's this thing that I don't like, but I feel like I have to do. And I'm not sure whether to, you know, kind of throw caution to the wind and jump into real estate with both feet or not. And what it comes down to is how much do you know? Because if you, have a, if you have a limited amount of money to live on once this house is sold, how much do you know about how about what your steps even are? Like about what is the first thing you need to do when you wake up every morning? Hint, find deals. Um, about how to get money if money is necessary uh, for those deals. Hint, go to the Friday morning house and wants calls, which you'll be able to do because you won't have a job. Um, are Do you... 
are you certain what exit strategy you want to pursue? And if so, are you certain what the steps are? And I'm not saying like you have to know every single thing because there's always people who can help you through a step that you're stuck on or whatever. But I, I get nervous when people say, I'm going to quit my job and just go all in when I haven't yet done a deal. So what I usually advise folks, if I, you know, unless I have a long, 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 long time, like hours and hours to sit down with them and really understand what's going on, um, is make it your challenge that I can quit my job when I have closed my first deal and put my first check in my pocket. Because then I've proven to myself that I will do it and that I can do it. Unfortunately, there are two types of people that give, given the same, take, take, take any hundred people, give them the exact same knowledge, give them the exact same asset, uh, access to resources. And you're going to find that there's two types of them or two situations that they're in that will cause them to never make a move. One situation is they're really comfortable. They're really comfortable financially. They, they maybe don't like their job, but it's not that like they hate it. Um, you know, everything's going good for them. They've got no, no real financial pain beyond just the usual, man, I wish I had more money to take a better vacation. That's not, that's not pain. Okay. Pain is, I don't know where my next mortgage payment is coming from. That's, that's pain. Okay. So that kind of person, I don't see them getting, in it actually getting into real estate very often like like they want to they come to meetings they take the classes all that stuff but they don't really tend to make a lot of actual moves because starting your own business is hard i mean you, you, you at the beginning of it you're gonna work way more than eight hours a day let me tell you that i remember putting in 14 16 hour days some days when i was uh, first getting started, both because I just, there was just a lot I needed to do. And also I, I did find it really fun. So I like, it wasn't like I was like, Oh no, this is so painful. Um, if you're not really uncomfortable, why are you going to go through that? The other kind of person that has a really hard time starting are, are people who are truly financially desperate. And you'd think, well, I mean, obviously they're going to go out and hustle until something happens and they're going to be, you know, they're going to have the attitude of, you know, if I screw up, it's not, it doesn't make my life any worse. Like I'm already, I'm already completely broke. So, you know, if I, I, I don't have any money to lose, so that's not a problem. But somehow people in that position are so overwhelmed by what else is going on in their lives that they have a really hard time taking positive forward action. It's almost like they're on some level depressed and they can't do anything. Uh, so the, the way for you to not get into that place is to keep the job until you've proven that you can, that you can, and you will do the things that are needed to do the deal. And some of that's just going to be education. Some of that's just going to be, I need to learn what I need to learn. And since re meetings are in the evenings, you know, hopefully you can manage that. So again, my General advice from this distance is lay down yourself a challenge. When I do my first deal, I get to quit my job. Because you can't always get another job, at least in the market right now. Let's not, let's not forget that. But don't put yourself in a 
position where you become like truly um, at the edge of, I, I can't, I can't even pay my rent. I sold my house and I can't even pay my rent because that's going to make it much worse for you. Um, also, if you can't, if you can't get close to physically close to me or any other like leader at a real estate association meeting that, you know, there's, there's a ton of smart, caring people there. And if you just, if you just walk up to anybody and say, I need to talk to somebody about this particular strategy or deal or situation, they can point you to the person who is going to help you. I know that's a, that's a problem because the people with the badge on that says executive director or the badge on that says president is always surrounded by a group of people and you, you really can't get to them, but there's lots of people without badges on who are, who are also there to have your back and who also can definitely help you out. Okay. So thank you for your uh, call. I'm looking at the call. That's why I said call. Thank you for your question, Alana, and for being uh, brave enough to be vulnerable there. Uh, we're going to get to Mike in Louisville, but I think we should take a quick break first so that we don't have to interrupt him with a break. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate. Question and answer week, 877-772-9658. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. It's question and answer week here on Real Life Real Estate. And we are going to go to the phones and talk to Mike from Louisville. Whoa, who sounds like he just dropped his phone. <laughs> Mike, are you there? I, I am here, Lena. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. Uh, sorry if you're, you're hearing random noises. I'm in the garage getting packing my truck up for tomorrow oh but uh my my question is uh i'm working on a uh selling a couple properties that i am uh i thought i was going to be putting options on them but uh the attorneys uh both my attorney and the other party's attorney are uh, saying that uh, we, we need to execute a note and a mortgage to secure my my position in that option. Uh, and I don't know. I mean, okay, I don't feel good about it. No, you shouldn't uh, feel good about it because. Okay. Well, first, first of all, let me, let me roll back one second and explain to the audience what it is you're trying to do. <laughs> okay. Cause they, they, like you, you just talked real fast and in shorthand, you're looking to sell some properties. You are selling them at an under market price, knowing that yes. it's no, knowing that it's less than you could get. But the way that the buyer is making that up to you is he is giving you the back the right to buy back those properties at an under market price sometime in the future when you can better deal with them or like them better or you know whatever has whatever happens you're also looking to secure that seller's promise to sell them back to you because I mean, you can put it, you can put the, you can record the option. It can be in the public record, but there's a bunch of things that could then happen that would uh, make that option go away. For instance, the seller could declare bankruptcy, and the bankruptcy court could put the property in receivership and take away the option because it's not a secured agreement. Or the seller could uh, get a private loan that 
where the private lender just ignored the fact that there was an option and loaned him more money than what your option strike price is, which means that when you go and say, okay, I'm buying it back for 170 he says, well, there's, here's the thing, I owe 250 And so you're trying to, you're trying to put something in place that, uh, uh, show, shows more interest than just an option, and that's usually called a mortgage secure option. So that's the brief summary, which hopefully brought some people up to speed on what's happening. Now, the problem is your attorney and the seller's attorney are saying that you can't just secure, you can't just use a mortgage to secure option because there needs to be a note with that mortgage because there's notes with every mortgage. The attorneys are wrong. By, by every piece of knowledge I have, the attorneys are wrong, and your attorney, you need to fire. <laughs> because I, I understand the seller's attorney not, not, you know, not understanding it and just going, this is impossible. All mortgages have notes. But if your attorney won't do the research to understand this and defend it, you need to find another one. Because right now the two of them are agreeing with each other and you're just like stuck. The, the, what would the note say, Mike? What are they suggesting that the note would say? Because a note is a promise to repay, and he doesn't owe you anything. What are they saying that note should say? Well, my my first pushback on it is they're literally saying the note is lender and borrower, <laughs> which it uh, is not. And right, and the uh, the the note that they're uh, trying to execute. Is putting so I, I'm only securing 25% uh, interest in the in the property. So you have so, the right, you have the right to buy back uh, 25% of it, not 100%. Yes. Okay. And today, uh, when we secure the uh, the note, the 25% is effectively worth $10,000. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, in 10 years, right? So they they want to secure the note at ten thousand dollars. That kind of no payments. See, see, I would right? ha- I would ha- I would hate to go to court on that because I, I think the way a a judge would see that note in that mortgage is if this guy pays you back ten thousand dollars, then the mortgage goes away. I mean, don't yeah. you don't you think that's how? His next attorney will argue it in court if he decides he doesn't want to do this. He's, he's just going to want to say, here, I'll give you $10,000, go away. That, that's, that's why I'm calling, because <laughs> I, I don't feel good. I don't feel good about it, but uh, it, it's, uh, I, I did reach out to a, uh, a third party to ask his uh, opinion, and uh, he, he brought up the fact that he talks to, uh, he's been having the same argument, argument with Pete for years about, uh, uh, the mortgage to secure an option is, is not valid as well. So he, he kind of, uh, agreed with the two attorneys that I'm talking to. Mm-hmm. So mortgages can secure promises. It's a promise can be that I'm going to pay you back money or it can be something else. That's, that's like what the attorneys I've talked to have said and I'm now parroting back um, the wording lender borrower is just going to totally cloud the the whole 
issue should that because why do we write contracts why don't we just shake hands and agree because we need to be able to work out what we did 10 years later and if we have to go to court to work out what we did it has to be really clear what we did the words lender and borrower do, do the opposite it sure looks like Mike Mike lent this guy ten thousand dollars, or else you know had had ten thousand dollars left in the property that he wanted to be paid back, and that's not the case. Um, notes aren't even recorded, so this isn't an issue of of can the mortgage to secure option be recorded because you don't need a note to record a mortgage. the The only thing that I can attribute this to, and I'm making the, making the story up in my head, is just that lawyers. And well, and everybody else in the world are not used to seeing mortgages without notes. So, you know, maybe there's something in the Kentucky Revised Code that says every mortgage must be accompanied by a note. I'm, I'm, I'm unaware if <laughs> I'm, I'm unaware if that is true or not. But it might be something interesting to look up. And if you don't find it, you might say, okay, so where does show me in the law where it says there has to be a note? Because I'm not seeing it. So you, like, how how do I get past this? Uh, I mean, uh, honestly, do I? Do I I'd, for- I'd walk away from the deal before I before I agreed to do this or anything else that I could picture. That ten years from now we're st- we're standing in front of a judge and the other guy can make any argument about what happened other than what happened. Okay, so that 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 is one. I, I've got two other properties that I've got another investor that I'm selling to, and I'm uh, securing fifty percent uh, of the property in this option. Mm-hmm. How do I? Should I just like record the option myself? Step, is that the alternative here? Step one: get another attorney. Step two: sure. I mean, there's a, there's absolutely nothing to keep you from recording your own documents down at the courthouse. Uh, now, in, in Kentucky, they do require that at the bottom of any legal document like that, it says who prepared the document. You're allowed to be the preparer if you're not an attorney, but you are a principal. But otherwise, that, that kind of has to be an attorney's name under prepare the document but you're i think you're i don't know how you're holding these but i think you're probably okay you do need to talk to an attorney about that uh but yeah you can absolutely just record it yourself have have them close it don't have them record that part of it take your take your buyers to a notary at a bank and have them stamp it i mean you've got the documents that you believe are right right correct okay could definitely do that Well, thank you. <laughs> okay. Thank you for okay. your extremely advanced phone call, Mike. <laughs> well, thank you for taking the time. I hope I hope there's five other listeners going, I need to do that. That's a brilliant idea because it actually is kind of a brilliant idea. Uh, but uh, it might have gone over some people's heads. But you know what? They can ask questions if it went over their heads. So do appreciate your phone call. It's question and answer week. And that means all questions are fair game. 
and you can certainly call yours in at 877-772-9658. We're going to take a quick break and go back to the emails at askdina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. Question and answer week here on Real Life Real Estate. Um, got lots of questions in the inbox, but also taking phone calls at 877-772-9658. Before we go to Roger in Nashville, uh just occurred to me, I'm probably not going to have time next week to remind you all of this. So um, if you're in the greater Cincinnati or Columbus, Ohio areas, and you've, you, you, you like spying on other people's rehabs. Like you get a lot out of going into houses that people are rehabbing and saying, why'd you choose these kitchen cabinets? Where'd you get them? How much did it cost to install them? Why did you make this particular paint choice, paint color choice? Why didn't you finish the basement? I mean, there's just a lot to be learned there, right? Uh, both, uh, Cori and Cincinnati Rhea are having uh, rehab property tours next week. Uh, the Columbus one is on uh, Tuesday and it's of course in person and not at a hotel. Like you're going to be given an address to show up at and then another address to show up, show up at when you register. Uh, same deal in Cincinnati. So if you think you could get something out of that, you can register for Cincinnati Rias at CincinnatiRia.com. You can register for the, uh, uh, one at Cori at CoreyRocks.com. Let's go to the phones and talk to Roger in Nashville. Roger, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Thank you, Vina. Uh, my question is um, fairly basic, um, but just a tiny bit of background. I'm preparing to buy a house uh, for $13,000. Um, it's uh, it's an ugly house it, smells bad and all that kind of stuff and uh, I plan to buy it and clean it out mow the yard and put it back on the market because mm-hmm. I'm getting it a screaming deal mm-hmm. so since I plan to only own the house and by the way I plan to sell it with owner financing because oh. I'm all about the cash flow mm-hmm. so Given that, when I buy it from the current owner, should I get property uh, mortgage insurance, rather? Title insurance? Yes. Okay. Okay. First of all, congratulations on the $13,000 house. We don't don't hear too much of that (laughs) (laughs) anymore. Um, Does that house have, like, structural issues, or is it just super-duper ugly? Uh, it gets inspected tomorrow, but we believe that there are no major structural issues. Did that house roll onto that lot on a trailer? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's stick built. It, it was built in the fifties, but uh, it is stick built. Wow. Okay. So you just, man, you just got a home run kind of deal there. I, I found a motivated seller. Okay. So, um, the the title insurance question this is this is the way i look at it you buy insurance to protect you against risks that you can't afford to protect yourself against right right the title insurance that you're going to buy on this house is only going to cover $13,000 worth of legal work or loss 
because that's how much right. you can insure it for. You can probably afford to pay that yourself on the off chance that the title search misses something. Like you're getting a title search, right? Yeah. 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 So, the, so, so the idea that the title search is going to miss something so major that it's going to cost that kind of money or, or the, or the, you know, in most states, there's a minimum amount you have to pay for title search, but then it's kind of based on the sale price. So you're going right. to, you know, you could pay $700 for title insurance that A, you already know you're unlikely to ever use it. And B, if you did have to use it, you could probably afford to just fix the problem yourself. So I don't buy title insurance on properties under $20,000 for that reason. But it's kind of a it's kind of a, it's kind of a you thing, right? What is what what is your risk tolerance? Um, right, right. The the other side of this though is that you said you're going to sell it with owner financing. I assume with like a on a, like a repair for equity kind of situation where you're looking for somebody. Who's... Uh, very much. That's exactly what I'm looking to do. I was inspired by you. <laughs> well, I, I I hope you heard all the other stuff I said about it. <laughs> like you really need to make sure you're putting somebody in there who's uh who's not just like right. competent to do the work, but but is comfortable with it. Like, someone in the trade. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's people out there who's who are gonna look at that smelly thirteen thousand dollar house. It won't be thirteen thousand dollar house to them, but are, they're gonna look at that house and they're gonna be like. Psh. I, I could easily have this all fixed in two months with materials I already have lying around and right. and, and, and I actually love this because I get to make it the way I want it instead of Roger making it the way he wants it and then I have to pay ten times as much for rent. You know, that like there's people for whom that right. is that is just like a dream deal and that's right. the person you want. And and you're gonna get a lot I mean, you and know some people don't like agreeable gray. And some people don't like agreeable gray. <laughs> My living room is painted agreeable gray because I just couldn't figure out what uh, what else to paint it in the time that I had to move in. And the uh, person who uh, I, I started to say helped me rehab it, she pretty much oversaw the whole rehab. That's her favorite color. <laughs> every, every time I look at it, I'm like, I really got to think of another color for this. Um, but, but, but yeah, you're looking for that person who is excited about it. It's, it truly is like they are going to succeed. Um, not the, not the ones who show up saying me and my husband could do all of this because we're HGTV addicts and they really don't have any idea of the reality, <laughs> particularly not the reality of living in a house while you fix it. Cause I've been there. Right. And I can tell you, you got to have a strong relationship and uh, also be pretty sure you know what you're doing <laughs> to survive that. So, yeah, great deal, Roger. Congratulations. All right. I think it's gonna, Thank you very much. I think it's going to make great money for you and it's going to make somebody really happy. That's what we aim for. That's right. All right. Interesting scenario and jealous of the $13,000 house. Uh, okay, so we're going to go back to the inbox and pick up a question for Mike. He says, here is a question I'm facing. One creative finance strategy is to take over the seller's mortgage and give them something extra for the equity. In this case, the mortgage is about half of the street value. The seller is skittish about signing over the house while the mortgage is still in their name. Even with a payout of half the equity, how do I structure the deal to allay their fears so that, that, that the buyer will quit paying 
uh, and ruin this seller's credit. I mean, that's a, that's a legitimate fear there, Mike, and it's not saying anything against you. It's just saying things happen to people. Things happen to the market. Things happen, you know, like, and it truly would ruin this seller's credit if you stopped paying the mortgage and they had no way to uh, fix that other than to pay the mortgage on a house they no longer owned. So there's there's a few ways to tackle this. Um, if you're familiar with the Seller Protection Land Trust, that uh, ba- basically the seller actually transfers it not to you or your company, but to a trust where the company is the beneficiary, but also where the trustee is ordered within the, I mean, what is a land trust? It's a contract between the trustee and a beneficiary, and the trustee has to do what the land contract says, what the land trust says, and so does the beneficiary. And there's a couple of paragraphs in there that say, if that the property is subject to this mortgage, and it names the mortgage, and that if the uh, mortgage goes into an arrearage, so you don't make the payment this month, in other words, uh, that the seller who has the mortgage in their name can contact the trustee. And obviously the trustee then has to contact you and you've got a certain period of time. It's usually, you know, five to seven days to either prove that you did in fact make the mortgage payment like, I've got a canceled check. I don't know what your bank is saying, but I've got a canceled check. So let's call them and find out who, whose account they applied it to. Uh, or you, you can make it fully, you can catch it, you can catch it up fully. And if you don't do that, the trustee must, not can, not should, must sign the deed back over to the seller. Now, depending on how well you can explain that to the seller and the seller's attorney and all of that sort of stuff, that I, I kind of feel like that's the cleanest way to do it because you, you have, you know, full control of the property, but they've got full control if you stop making the payments. Another way to handle it could be a wrap mortgage to the seller so that uh, rather than you get the deed and you pay the bank, you get the deed and you pay the seller who pays the bank. So that way they know it's getting paid every month and they also know if it doesn't get paid they've got legal rights to get the property back that would require them to do a foreclosure and they're not going to be excited about doing a foreclosure but that's you know something that could that you know at least they know every month it's getting paid and they know if it's not getting paid they've got legal recourse that they could do a third option, and this might actually be the best one. You didn't say whether the seller was a homeowner or a uh, rental property owner. The rental property owner, if they're older and have owned the property for a long time, probably going to have a great big tax bill for selling this property at all. And I, I know you're saying, oh, but they avoid the taxes by carrying the financing. No, they don't. They just get to spread it out over more years if you're making them payments, um, even if it's a, an older seller who's owned their home for a long time, it may have appreciated enough that the $250,000 exclusion in capital gains that you get to take by not being, uh, by, by being a homeowner, it, it may have appreciated so much that they would still have capital gains tax and potentially a big one if they sell it. So, 
The third option, and this is definitely the one I'd be looking at if this person was a rental owner, would be rather than buy it from them, lease option it from them. Same terms. I'm going to give you X X dollars up front and I'm going to make your monthly payment, but it's going to be in the form of rent and you're still going to own the house, but we're going to have it real nailed down, right? We're going to have it. If you die, I don't want your kids saying, oh, well, dad didn't really mean this option. He was old and you shouldn't be able to buy it for this price that you agreed to 10 years ago. So you're going to have it all nailed down like Mike did with a mortgage and to secure option and a recorded option and all those sorts of things. But that might be the thing that makes him feel better because he gets to keep title to the house until the mortgage is paid off or you're prepared to pay it off. It might also save him a lot of capital gains taxes if he is a rental property owner. So um, there's you asked for an option. There's three of them. What do you think? Three options. Okay. So two minutes left. Going to pick up a question here from Paul who says, do you find that to be fairly successful in the real estate business, you have to use multiple strategy strategies, for instance, rehabbing and landlording or rehabbing, retailing and land. Did I say that twice? Wholesaling and landlording or rehabbing, retailing and landlording or note buying and landlording. And I've thought about this a lot, Paul, because I've been observing real estate investors in bulk for many, many years now. And you are on to something, but it doesn't have to be two real estate strategies. What I find is the most successful people I know, if you start today and look out 10 to 15 years and say who got most successful, it was the people who had an income strategy and a wealth building strategy. So they had some way that they were getting cash and they had some way that they were building up assets that were providing cash flow. And you know how a lot of what the combination of those two things is for a lot of people? A job plus rental properties or, you know, they own a they own a uh, they're, they're CPA. So they're self-employed. And that's what brings in their cash. But they are also able to buy Airbnbs or um they teach classes and also have, and also are buying rental properties or one of the combinations you named. I didn't have a job when I got started in real estate. That's a short but uh, amusing story. Uh, so for me, it was wholesaling plus lease options. And yeah, if I had not done one or the other of those, uh, I would not have been successful, at least not as quickly as I was. So Great question, Paul. Good thinking. Uh, thanks for everybody's questions today. We'll be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. Happy investing.